Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and the Love Is Podcast. I'm excited to welcome the host of the Love Is Podcast, Kim Sorrell. Kim, how are you? And you know what? We're really going into a different direction in this episode, but it's he is just fascinating, isn't he? Our guest. Hi, absolutely. Pete Turner, a spy, spy a, a real-life spy for years, over a thousand missions, the people that you've met, the people that you've talked to, your way about going about it uh, with everything that I've read and heard about you seems so different than anything I would have expected to build relationship and trust and whatever. So Pete, thank you for coming on our show. Welcome. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Oh, that, I appreciate that. It really is my honor to be able to share time with other people and and just to talk about how I approach things, especially because in, in my world, there's there's uh, there's so many questions. There's so many uh, things that we're led to believe. And you know, it's sort of my job to explain a lot of how I've approached this, this, uh, this, this job, because so many times we're very secretive about it. And I think my approach is is unique because I had a unique um, way. I, I had a unique experience. It's just unrepeatable. But so many of us, there is in my field in counterintelligence, there are about 130 different specific jobs. So you could say, you know, this person has a totally different job, but they're still counterintelligence. I'd be like, you're right. And they have a completely different path than mine. So it is it is very interesting. The field always fascinates me and I love to talk about it. Wow. You know, and I think about this, Pete, I said, what makes it so that you're able to be a spy? How do you keep it so that they can tell you're not lying? That's the mm. hardest part, right? Because we don't want to lie. So we're not going to learn yeah. how to lie on this episode. But ultimately, yeah. when you're helping and you're a spy for the good guys, it's okay. But how do you do it so that you don't seem like you're lying, you know, and be able to get information out of people knowing you're really not their their friend? This is going to sound crazy. I don't lie. I just tell the truth. I even say I'm a spy. Like if they ask me, I'm like, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm doing here. And I, if I ask you a question that you don't want to answer, you shouldn't answer it. But you're not going to hear a question like that. Because here, here's the thing, Neil, right? The worst way to find out where the bombs are is to say, where are the bombs? Right? And so I never say that. I just don't. And I, I just build trust. And so people are desperate to tell me things. They're desperate to be my friend because I'm trying to help them solve problems. And so I get introduced to people that I'm not supposed to know. And and it happens over and over and over again. I didn't start out this way. I had to learn how to do it. But that really is the, the truth is I work on building trust to expand my network and I let them do all of the hard work. And I just, I have mastered that part of the job through a lot of repetition, a lot of failure, a lot of mistakes for sure. But that's it. That's the whole thing is I build trust when when nobody else thinks about that. I don't worry about threat. I don't focus on threat. I focus on how do how do I improve your condition? How do I understand your condition? How do I listen? And that turns and makes me valuable because no one else is doing that. Well, you know, no one else is doing that. Very few people are doing that in the world, period, let alone in the spy world, right? Like truly yeah. listen yeah. to people. And and right. building that trust. And I have a suspicion that it isn't just something that you picked up while being a spy, but maybe the way that you were raised and, and before becoming a spy it was trust a big part of your life. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was on my, my friend's show the other day. He's an FBI counterintelligence agent. So we're, we're, we're sort of cousin 
cousins in our professional world. And we independently found this, this trust thing. And boy, we vibe so crazy. And we both had these sort of free range childhoods where home was a little dangerous for us. And so, so we ended up having sort of this proto spy world. So I have a lot of moms from my youth and, and I didn't just stay in my little hometown. I, I would venture out and I, I built little networks and, you know, I didn't know I was doing it on purpose. I was just out and about and uh, I had a long, um, wild and adventurous streak, you know, to my detriment, but also to my professional um, capability, you know, benefit. So, yeah, there was a long and what makes sense in the rearview mirror path of me doing these kinds of things. So for what my friends was very uncomfortable in my in my profession me was very normal to to go out and just um, sit down with people and talk and listen and be curious and want to leave the list it, it sounds crazy but my job is to be off the camp that's how i approach this and so when a patrol is leaving my job is to be on that patrol because it's i'm the only one who knows how to ask the right questions and i can't find the bad people if i'm on the camp a lot of my peers don't take that approach. They want to read. They want to do other things because a lot of people in my job are very bookish. I'm very physical. I'm very face-to-face. -face. And that all comes from my youth when I, I played sports and I interacted with people. I would go to any part of town and do things. And so, yes, for sure, my background is absolutely built to do this job. So what are the, without you know giving away some of these experiences, when you did this, how did you got set up these meetings? How did you make sure you got to the right people and they wanted to talk to you? So a lot of it has to happen at their pace. And and you have to, one of the things is, is um, the more in control I needed to be, the less I was going to find the things I needed to find. And so I have to understand their culture and I have to work within their cultural path, which is extremely uncomfortable. You know, you're talking about cross-language, cross-religion, cross-culture, all these things that I have to tolerate that lack of comfort. doesn't mean they're dangerous necessarily, but the more I can lean on my, say, my interpreter, and I can talk to them ahead of time and understand what normal looks like, because if it's uncomfortable to me and I'm scared and I act that way, if the words I'm saying aren't natural, then, then I'm going to come across as being scared. And that's not someone you want to introduce to your friends. That's not someone you want to communicate with. So I have to put a lot of work in ahead of the meetings that I want to have so that I am comfortable. Natural. It's very much a sales job in this kind of case. And so I'm unique in my ability to work with an interpreter to kind of flatten a lot of those rough spots and, and be willing to go out. But also once you get there, be prepared in a way that that makes sense. I'll just give you a real quick example to think about what it is. Like if I'm going to ask the, what, whatever the big sales question is, is what were the 10 preceding questions that I needed to have? But what were the adjacent 10 questions? And what were the adjacent que 10 questions to those? So I've reversed the uh, conversation in my head 25 different ways. So whatever question stream I end up in, I can still get to the ultimate question even if it's a different sale that I'm actually going to make. So if it's not where are the bombs, it's who is the bad man or whatever it is. And, and these are negative outcomes. What if there's a positive uh, piece of information that I can give to a commander? Because I'm trying to find out for the commander, are you winning or are you losing? And, and if losing is the government is failing, the commander wants to know that because that means they're losing. And so there's all kinds of different questions and different conversations that I need to be able to have at a, at a drop of a hat. And so I have to be prepared for anything. And that takes all of this pre-work. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. 
you know, uh, Pete, how is life for you? Like, so you went through all of this and the way you just talked about it, the way you just described coming up with the questions and the questions behind the questions and, and so on, and then delivering news that wasn't always good news, right? We're losing <laughs> sometimes, right? Yeah. So how, how does that affect you mentally? Like, you just seem like this happy-go-lucky guy who yeah. was a spy, for goodness sake. And how has it affected you? It is really hard. And you you are using a key word in everything. So the Army, and I'm saying the Army, really Americans, but the Army who I work for and with, they love the word effect, right? Because if you drop a bomb, what happened? Oh, it, it killed these bad guys. It blew up this building. It, it killed this piece of machinery. But really, I wanted them to think of affect, the, the emotional response to stimuli. So we would say, hey, we went out and we painted this mosque and that connected people to the government. And I would go, really? Okay, let me go there two weeks later and let me see if that's true. And that meant Pete was bad news Pete because he'd come back, bad news Pete would show up and say, hey boss, um, I didn't find that that report that you got was in any way accurate. Maybe I'm wrong. But I'm just telling you, I've talked to these five farmers who looks like from the pictures were at that painting <laughs> and they didn't reflect any connection to the government. Is that important for you to know? And they would say, yes, it is. I wonder what we should do next. And so the, this kind of information exchange made, made me a really like I would always say it was way more dangerous for me in the staff room on our side. So I was always trying to balance um, the threat inside of the American side of things versus the host nation side of things. And for sure, there's danger on the host nation side of things, but I got kicked off of American camps all the time. I got, and I had to learn how to balance the, the threat on our side. And that doesn't make any sense. You would think I would always be welcome, but I didn't belong to these units. They had to adopt me and I had to build relationships with them as well, which is crazy. And the thing is my job is to help them win. And, and the commanders loved me. But if I was just focused on them as a client and helping them understand what they had to do, boy, I would, I would get, I would have all kinds of problems. And and I, I'm telling you, I've been kicked off of all kinds of camps. I've been kicked yeah. out of theater. Turner has to go home, kind of thing. All, all oh the my time. Gosh. Now, Kim has a love question. Kim, this is mm -hmm. kind of this will be interesting. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah, a little random for you, Pete. Maybe in an interview, but. I lived a year uh, figuring out the true meaning of love. It was an eat, pray, love kind of experience, mostly on the streets of Haiti. So I did a little spying, I guess, in a way, or, you know, a little PTSD here and there because it's a tough country. But the things that I found out about love just blew my mind and rocked my world. And uh, I'm curious, how does love play a part? Because love isn't something you hang up when you get home, right? It's it's part yeah. of you. Love is always just part of you. How does that play a role in in your work? I think it's essential. You know, it's one of the the, the key emotions that we have to work with. You know, it has to be genuine. You know, these they're like battered wives and kids, and and they don't give trust easily. They they are suspicious, and and if you aren't genuine, they sense it. And so you are opening yourself up. And this is one of the things that's so horrible when our foreign policy is aligned with the ground truth where I'm at. And then um, our foreign policy flips and runs away from them. 
I own that relationship. I own that that murder that's going to happen to that person. I own those people and they're with me forever. And that's, that's where my own personal harm comes because you do care for these people. You do have a relationship. And a lot of these people, I do believe I could go and see them if they're alive again. And they would care about me because I wasn't lying to them. I was being, it makes me emotional talking about it. I do care about all these souls. And a lot of them, they don't exist anymore. And, and we did turn our backs on them. And I was, I was the face man for all that policy. So yeah, it hurts. Wow. Okay. Uh, is there a place people can find information on you, Pete, and stuff? Check you yeah, out? Just uh, look me up, Pete A. Turner, on any kind of social media. I'm glad to be available. I've got this thing called the Grout Truth Center that I'm promoting. And we have a summit in January that I'd love for people to attend. But really, just Pete A. Turner, hit me up and, and ask me any kind of question you want. That's the biggest thing. Is uh, I'm on X. I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can hit me at Pete at BreakItDownShow.com. I'm always available. I'm glad to answer any kind of questions. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. That was a special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and the Love is Podcast, guys. Take care.